0: so i 'm so excited. Um, the Lord has been leading us uh, to become more and more a house of prayer through the years, and many of you know that the Lord led us to start this prayer canopy out here and as uh, Glenn and I sat out here yesterday, we had two people come, and i don 't see Mitch here today. He said he was going to come and and he said, "You know, I want to believe in God, but i don 't and He had all these reasons why and And I kept telling him, I kept asking them, but who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Because Jesus is the key for life, for life with God. And um, anyways, um, so a beautiful thing, a house of prayer. Um, So um, as we've been going through uh, this book, The Joy of Prayer, and the first chapter caught me, um, uh, and just going back over this, as I've been just asking the Lord, how do we do this? We, we've, there's so much happening. We need to be ready for what's coming in the future. I don't know. I felt like I was kind of flat-footed when this COVID thing hit, and it's like, oh, what do we do? And all this. And so we know stuff is coming, but so to be ready means we need to be tight with God, and we we need to help each other be this house of prayer. And because of His Spirit in us, we, we know that we're walking, talking we we can talk to god because of His spirit in us but when we come together that um we need each other so i i was i just leaned back and i looked at this book the cover of the book and i said that's what i need the joy of prayer and so i grabbed this book and i started going through it and i said this author is saying everything that the lord has been telling me over these last three years about becoming a house of prayer and and what that all looks like and so um and some of you know the story. So I began praying and, and I wondered if, uh, if Alvin was still here. And because 20 years ago, we went through this devotional uh, here at the church and many of you weren't here. And so we went through this together. And so he, Alvin came and he spoke. And then, um, so I go, I wonder, I wonder if he's still alive even. I don't, I don't know. So then there's a friend of mine, a missionary friend, and he said, wait a minute that name he said i think i sat right next to him at, at a prayer thing and i said whoa really he's come back to life or <laughs> he's still here and so then i ended up uh emailing him and then wouldn't you know it um at another prayer meeting for pastors i spotted him across the way and i said whoa I got to talk to him, excuse me, pardon me, and I made my way over there, and I said, hi, Alvin, this is Pastor Steve Finkbrotner, and he said, who are you? And I said, well, let me tell you. So um, I could make the story longer, but I want to introduce Dr. Alvin Vandergren um, to come up, and I I said I was going to interview him for a few minutes up here, so come on up here, and let me see if you need to use that rail to, Okay. All right, we'll have you stand in front of this mic right here. I've got this one on, so come right over here. And uh, so I told him, I gave him three questions. I said, this, uh, this is what I you and I said, so thanks for being here. Also, Alvin said, I don't do speaking engagements anymore. And he said, but I feel the Spirit led to come to Evergreen and, and to speak for a little bit. So thank you for coming, listening to the Spirit. Okay, so here's, uh, I said, uh, if you could... If you could answer these questions for us. Okay, here's, here's a simple one. How did you learn how to pray? Good question.
1: <laughs> and first of all, thanks for the invitation, and mm-hmm. thanks for the freedom and the privilege and the joy of worshiping with you this morning. Good job. I appreciate Thank you. uh, Thank you, hearing Alan. your heart. Thank yeah? you, Alan. So it's good to be here. How did I learn how to pray? Well, I um, grew up in Linden, Washington, Uh, with a family that was deeply spiritual and we prayed at every meal we prayed before bedtime at night we prayed at the beginning of the meal the end of the meal at bedtime first uh kneeling down by my dad as he was sitting in a chair and praying you know my usual little prayer that he taught me uh, and then later uh praying uh on my own going to bed at their instruction and their encouragement, and then, of course, going to Ebenezer Christian School and Linden Christian School. Most of the classes were introduced by prayer, so I heard a lot about prayer. I was learning about prayer, and on to Christian College, Calvin College then, and Calvin Seminary, and uh, through all of that, learned a lot about prayer. But one thing, if I may add, the thing that jump-started me more than anything else in a prayer, prayer life and prayer ministry was 59 years ago, yeah, really, pastoring a church up in northern Michigan, uh, a second year of my pastoral role, decided to preach a sermons, series of sermons on prayer. And uh, I think it was the second one. And God led me to 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. And that passage says this, This is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know we have what we've asked of him. Ah, grand promise. Standing on the promises like we've been singing. Uh, But the amazing thing about that is as I studied in the Greek, I came to realize something more than I saw on the surface. And that is that the, the verb ask was in a verb form that actually meant when John wrote it this is the confidence we have that if we ask for ourselves that's what the Greek says if we ask for ourselves something in accord with his will then we know that he hears us and if we know that he hears us we know we have what we've asked of him so I said well Lord that's amazing what should I be asking well two or three weeks later after praying that prayer for a while, he gave me three things. Number one, Lord, make me a man of prayer. Number two, Lord, make me a man of the word. Number three, Lord, help me to be a witness for you. Another, verb, another way to say it is prayer, Bible study, and evangelism. So I began to pray those on a daily basis. Within a few weeks, a month or so, I began to see things happening as God was answering those prayers. Amazing. And then God said to me, Alvin, why don't you just go on praying those three for the rest of your life? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Lord. Almost every day for the last 59 years, I've prayed those three prayers. And God has been faithful. Mm. And if I may leave you one message Mm. uh, out of your study and out of this moment at least for the next weeks as you're going through this book, try that. Pray every day for at least the first one, Lord, make me a person of prayer. And then watch what he does. And maybe he'll put it on your heart to go on praying that. And maybe he'll add to the make me a person of prayer some other things that he's laying on your heart. God's always true to his promises. So thank you
0: for Mm -hmm. asking (laughs) Thank you so much. Could I ask you one more? Yeah. Uh, one more question. Yeah, yeah sure. Or sure. maybe two more. Be fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you know God's voice when he's talking to you? Like you said, Alvin, he said, that, how do you know that that's God speaking yeah. to you? Well, you read the book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not that book, this other book. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. And it's really what you're studying this, this past week, isn't it? And, uh Yeah, rather than go back to the book, let me just give you something that's experiential. Number one, to know God's voice, if you think he's telling you something, you have to know him. That's the most important thing. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, every week I get about 15 requests for for money. You two? It's awful, isn't it? And... But once in a while, when one of those comes through from a ministry in an organization, I know the leader of that organization. I know him personally. Guess which ones I take seriously? Mm. The ones where I know the person. And I think the most important thing in discerning his will is to know him. And that, of course, means uh, a personal relationship, which comes from the heart. Mm. The second thing, though, is to know his will his word and it's to be in the scriptures it might come from praying lord make me a man of the word and the simplest way for me to keep that in front of myself is to remember the lord's prayer Mm -hmm. for in the lord's prayer jesus taught us the three most awesome (laughs) fundamental things that we had to keep thinking about for the lord and that is to glorify his name to advance his kingdom and to accomplish his will. So if I think the Lord is leading me in some way, I'll say, "Lord, well, I ask myself, is this if you answer and if this is right, will this glorify your name? Will this advance your kingdom? Will this accomplish your will?" And if his if I'm sensing a yes, then I think, "Okay, I'll start moving forward." There's a third thing to be careful about when you're uh, to be careful when you're, you're asking for directions and receiving a message from the Lord. And that is, pray for confirmation. Mm. If you think the Lord is directing you in some way, there may be a little question saying, Lord, would you confirm this somehow? And he has He has a thousand different ways he can do that. I find that often it's through laying a burden on my heart. I begin to think of that. I or someone speaks to me or I find it from a passage of scripture or some extraordinary thing that happens that just confirms something i've read something i've heard and uh, and if all i usually ask for three three confirmations <laughs> and if those three confirmations add up and it's time to go ahead i gingerly step into following his leading and then one more little prayer lord if i was wrong would you turn on the stoplight, mm. the red light? Mm. Yeah. Sometimes, once in a while, he does that, even after I thought I heard his will for sure. Mm-hmm. He says, wait a minute, stop, Alvin. And then I think it through again. So those four things, okay. know the person, know his will, get confirmation, and be a, willing to let him stop you <laughs> yeah. asking for it.
0: Okay. One more. Uh, inspiration. Who inspired you in this journey with the Lord? I, um, maybe along the way good question
1: mostly it was him Mm. Um, the the, the better I knew Jesus the more enjoyable it was to talk to him also the Holy Spirit my own tradition a, a reformed tradition didn't put much emphasis on the Holy Spirit I, I've been discouraged in that, and and trying to get over it. But I've so I've I've made it, a passion to learn mm. more and more. And the Holy Spirit just keeps coming through as the one. Mm. Now my parents, of course, yeah, and uh, Marion Snapper, uh, a relative of mine who used to church at Linden Christian, went all the way to the seminary. He influenced me a great deal. Okay. Um, so yeah, a lot of fundamental influences, uh, in my life
0: okay. about prayer. Okay. All right. Well, could you, you just say a prayer over m- over me right now as I bring oh, love the, rest the message? Yeah. Lord, Father,
1: thank you for this son of yours, Steve Finkbonner. The calling you have in his life, the passion you have given him for ministry, for prayer, for you for your church, your kingdom, your glory. Continue, Lord, to strengthen him, encourage him, guide him, protect him. And I would pray, Lord, for all the things that you promised way back to Moses and uh, Aaron and the children of Israel when they were in the desert. Lord, would you bless him and keep him, protect him. Would you smile upon him would with you. your look of love day by day, and hour mm. by hour? Would you be gracious to him, grace mm. upon grace through Jesus Christ? Mm. Would you turn your face toward him and keep your eye on him? Mm. And would you give him your wonderful peace today and always? Mm. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen mm. and amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. we're each on a journey. And if you've known if you know the Lord as your savior and your friend um, then he's your personal trainer. So the things that he's brought me through is not exactly the same way that he's bringing you along, but the goal is still the same. Is to know the one who created you and designed you for all of life, for eternal life forever with him. So um, voices. So uh here's my uh here's the passage that um I hope rings through to your ear. It's it's out of John chapter uh, ten, verse twenty-seven. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. So Uh, Hearing his voice. So uh, the message here this morning is um, um, voice of truth. So what we're going to see then in the word is that God speaks to us um, in different ways, but it's always about the truth. So uh, first we're going to look at God's word spoken. So in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, um god it says that god spoke and said let there be so god spoke and things came in into existence and you know what's cool about uh god the son jesus is that on that boat that day when the wind and the waves he stood up and he said be still and the creation just bowed before him as creator god jesus himself so uh, he spoke So God's word spoken, and it's good news. It's good news that he speaks. Um, Thinking about um, when a child does something good and he wants mom and dad's attention, um, he wants to come and bring good news because it reflects what mom and dad like, what what they want. And he says, look what I've done. And so there's a good news. There's an exchange there. So good news. Um, Years ago, um, we... uh, as a, as a fundraiser, some of us joined with CEF in uh, delivering flowers. So there was a, a company in town that needed people to deliver flowers. And it was the coolest thing because everybody loved us when we came. We said, we've got flowers for you. Oh, man, smiles everywhere. Wouldn't you love that? Wherever you go, people are just smiling. Hey, there he is. There she is. So good news. So God spoke good news into his creation. He spoke good news. Um, so turn to Hebrews. Uh, in the back of your Bible, the easiest way to get there is um, go back to Revelation. Just thumb your way back in, and, and you'll, you'll find Hebrews easier that way. It's not too far in. So Hebrews uh, chapter, um, chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's do uh, 1 through uh, 3. So watch this. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he, by inheritance, obtained more excellent name than they. So, Jesus, the word. And of course, John chapter 1 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus. So, Jesus was the spokesman. He was the word of God that Jesus came and spoke the word of God. And so um, Jesus, the word of God, there's a passage in, in um, Isaiah chapter 52 that says how beautiful are the feet of on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And, and he proclaims um, peace and he, he, who brings uh, good tidings of good things and who proclaims, you can be saved. <laughs> he proclaims salvation. And, and he says to Zion, your God reigns. So how beautiful, how beautiful these words spoken of who God is through Jesus Christ. Um, it's interesting to me that when you speak the truth of who God is, The very words of God. Isn't that a isn't that an amazing privilege to speak the very words of God? The the very truth of who God is? I I don't know if you understand and I understand how powerful that is. When we're not speaking our own wants, our own thing, but when we speak or read out loud the very word of God, it, it changes things. We get to speak that. God spoke and the world was created. God speaks to us today. So God's spoken word is good news. The second thing is God's word uh, written. So God speaks to us through his written word, his written word. As I was thinking about um, his written word, I thought about um, this this is his rules for the family, his rules for the family to live. And they're good rules. They're good rules for us to live in. And so God gave us those rules. So I was thinking about uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, directions for doing what the, what the uh, creator of, of the world um, has for us. Uh, this is the directions for us. So a couple of weeks ago, um, there were three or four of us guys that... Um, uh, Natalie and I bought new shelves for c f and we were going to put them up over here in the in the in the uh new storage place and so you know what we did without saying anything we didn't look at the directions at all no way we were, there were three of us guys, and it's like how hard can that be so we just started putting it together, and halfway through we said. Now we're get we have different wait we put the different bolts and there's different lengths for this <laughs> someone says, "Okay, where's the directions?" And so Keith got the directions. He read while we put it together. <laughs> we have the directions for life. Right? And they're good directions. And so don't be like us guys and go, "We get we can figure it out without the word of God." No, no, no. He's given us this simple enough for a child to understand when you've come to believe in the Lord as your Savior. The Holy Spirit helps you to understand what he has for us. And yet it's so complex that scholars go back and forth over stuff. But we have the written word. So in um, Exodus, uh, Moses comes down with uh, the commandments, right? He comes down with the commandments. And it's like, here's the rules for our family to live in peace with God and each other. And, and we read about the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And he comes down, he, he lays this out. And the first one starts out with the, with the Lord saying, with God Almighty saying, I am the God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt who saved you. So he starts out saying, there's one God. I am your God. No other gods beside me. So he lays out these rules of honoring him and then honoring those around you, honoring people around you, right? So, so the beautiful rules came down for us. So the rules to live by. Then the Lord condensed the rules and he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind. And your neighbors yourself, and, and all of this fulfills all of the law, all of the law. This is what this is teaching. OK? So um, turn to Second Timothy, chapter three. So again, the uh, easiest way for me to get there is just go to the back and thumb the way in in the New Testament. So Second uh, Timothy. It's not too far from Hebrews, if uh, you didn't leave there. Verse sixteen and seventeen says, "All scriptures uh, inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, the woman, the boy or girl, may be complete and thoroughly equipped." For every good work. Every good work. So the scriptures, the rules that God has for us to live in family together, to live out this life that he has designed for you and for me. That's right. There's something else about this written word. This written word is also a legal document. Now, it appears that Our lives are full of legal documents for your house, your car, for work. There's legal documents. You signed some things, legal documents. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, the word of God himself, spoke the word of God. He spoke the legal document when he was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, when... The devil tempted him to turn bread into stone. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What? You mean the Son of God used the legal document in fighting against the temptation in the wilderness? And then the second temptation came, if you're there now, in Matthew chapter 4. Um, the second one that it says that the devil uh, took him up on a high, a high point in Jerusalem and he said, throw yourself down. It says that the angels would take care of you. And Jesus says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He, Jesus, God himself, used the legal document in fighting against temptation, the legal document. And then finally, the devil comes at him and says, Look, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow and worship me. And Jesus says, It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. Be gone. It occurred to me that there's a reason why you have more than one of these legal documents in your house. Because you're meant to use it fighting against the devil and the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. If Jesus, the son of God, the word and the flesh used and spoke the written legal document in his fight, how much more you and me? So we better get busy knowing what the word says so we can be... We can state those words against those temptations, against Satan. Amen? The Word of God is not just the written Word of God, it's not just the rules. It is the legal document that we go to and ref- we refer to life in this legal document that God has given to us. In Hebrews, it says, The Word of God is living and powerful. More powerful than any sharp sword. Let me, let me turn there. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and in the, the intents of the heart. So you can know that every time you look into it, this isn't just a book. It's living, that the Holy Spirit is illuminating his words into your heart. And he's either convicting you or he's encouraging you on with this life to live. So this isn't just a book. It's living. It's living and active. So we know God's word through his spoken word. We know God's word through his written words. And we also know God's word through creation. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. His creation speaks to us. is that amazing? His creation speaks to us. When we're out and breathing the free air, when we're out on the mountaintop, and when you get to look over a vista and see so many things, it's like, there's just a freshness that comes over you to seeing how big, how big God is. Um, years ago, I was, uh, I was in my back, back uh, driveway and I noticed that there was ants that were going back and forth and I decided to interfere with their life. And so um, I saw the train they were going on and so I, I took a little stick and I put it right across their path. And so there's this ant coming along there, and he sees the stick, and he stops. And so then he decides to go down this way to get around the stick. Well, you know what I did is I moved the stick. (laughs) And he went, and then he kept going. And then he stopped, and he said to himself, I could see this from my viewpoint. I could see it. And he said, well, I'm going to go the other way. And so the ant started going this way, and I moved the stick. And he's gone, and he stops. And then the weirdest thing happened. No joke. The ant dropped whatever it had in its mouth or whatever it was holding, and it just went around in a circle like this. It just, And I think it might have been doing this. I couldn't quite tell. But it was just so frustrated. It knew that something interfered with its life. And so I finally took the stick, and it's like, okay, I can do this. So... Creation speaks to us, even from that level. But when we get up on the mountain, we get to see things that it's like from God's vantage, right? And so every time we draw close to God, that kind of thing begins to happen. We, get, we begin to see from God's perspective what this is all about. You know, so the trials in our life, you know, when we're with God, they're not so big anymore. They start to shrink, right? Right? And so we get to see God speaking through creation in Romans chapter one. It says this, and I, I'm gonna just start off with this, that we were all uh, created in the image of God. And and we all know that inside. Matter of fact, there's a vacuum here that we wanna know our creator God, it's there. But there's something that happens that we either pursue this God of creation or we suppress the truth. But the truth is in there. Whether you're saved or not, the truth is in there. So look at verse 18 of Romans, and this is what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen to this. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And let me, let me just say, That You know how that happens? It's like, I want to do this wrong thing. And so if I keep doing a bunch of wrong things, it becomes right to me. And and I just keep loading up this wrong thing and then my world becomes that wrong thing that seems truth to me. Maybe an example might be uh, an addiction to drinking. Some of you have been freed from that, praise God. But it's like, Oh, life is so hard. If I can just numb my pain, oh, oh, that's not so bad. I I can numb my pain and I don't feel it anymore. Oh, I need to do it some more. Oh, this is great. I can go through life just not seeing my trouble. Now I can just suppress the truth with drugs and alcohol and sex. And if I just pound on more and more unrighteousness, if I load that all up, then that's... I don't see it, right? I don't see the truth anymore. That's what he's saying here. He says, the truth, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Load it up. Turn on the TV and watch all kinds of stuff and and don't go to the Lord, but have the world come in and just pound on you and then you're numb, right? And you're just numb now. You don't feel anything. You don't care anymore. You're just numb. Wow. But look at what it goes on to say. It just, the Lord brings it through more and more. He says, because what may be known to God is evident in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The truth is there. We suppress the truth. Okay? Because though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served, listen to this, the creature rather than the creator. The one that was created rather than The one that created things. The creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, if that wasn't enough, this speaks of our day even today. He goes into, just in case you don't get it, suppressing the truth. He says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions even their women exchanged the the natural use for what is against nature likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman and burned in their lust for one another men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due and even so they did not like even so they did not like to retain god in their knowledge God gave them over to a debased mind, to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing... The righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things deserving of death, not only the same, but also approve of those who practice them, just in case you didn't get it. And the, the, the sad part about it is there's some of those things that, man, I could be a part of some of that stuff. I, I see that. And the Bible teaches that we've all sinned. We've all turned away from God. We've all wanted to live our life the only way say, "I got this, i'm going to do my own thing." and this whole time he's saying, "But I created you, and I love you, and I've got good things for you. Seek me with all of your heart, and you will find me've got I've got a good life for you, I've got a way to live." And so he calls us to this place called repentance, where we, we return to God and we say, "Help us." and through believing in Jesus. And what he did for us. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but we'd have eternal life. This life with God in his presence is fullness of joy. The things that he has are good for us. But isn't it amazing that everything that's good for us, our world, Satan has taken and twisted it. That the marriage is good for us. It's in the right, it's good for us. And the world's taking it, twisting it and go, wait a minute, isn't, isn't it better? It's, it's sweeter outside of marriage that you, you do these things. And, you know, everything that's good, there's a twist to it, right? Um, and so to be bombarded with this stuff, um, how do we, how do we, how do we uh, um, fight against that? What's the antidote? Well, it's the antidote is Jesus the is coming to him and saying, help, I believe, I believe you came to be the savior of my soul, to give me life. So help me, Lord, help me to follow you. And you know, he'll answer that prayer. He'll answer that honest prayer. So what is that? The creation even speaks out and sings out that, that, is, that God has a love for you. Um, One of my favorite chapters is uh, out of uh, Psalms. Psalm 19 that speaks of creation and how God speaks to us through creation. to Get our attention. Psalm 19. He starts out and he says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day they pour forth speech, and night to night they reveal knowledge. There, there is no words. There, there is no speech. But their message has gone out through all the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Through all the earth. Their message has gone out through all the earth to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices like a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And nothing is hidden from its heat. And then he brings it into the message from God. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. His rules, restoring the soul, restoring his creation back to him. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is, Is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. For by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there's great reward. Who can discern servants' errors or forgive me for hidden sins or keep back your servant from presumptuous sin? Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and acquitted of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to to the Lord my rock and my redeemer his creation sings to us every day God loves you and he has the best for you his his spoken word the word became flesh and he spoke the written word he gives us every day and renew our minds on the truth our legal document and creation speaking to us so then the question has to be asked How do I know his voice with all the voices? And there's some good things, too, with with all that's going on and all the stuff that's coming at you. How do you discern what's what's good and what's not? And so. I realized this week that it could be pretty simple to discern the voices and even. Dr. Alvin was talking about that. So here's what it is. The enemy wants to destroy you and to take everything that's good and twist it. He wants to destroy you. And what he does is he gets you and me to destroy ourselves. Now, years ago, my brother, my older brother, I love him. He's passed on to glory but he'd do this thing, and I don't know of you that have older brothers, it happens, but he'd come to me, and he'd, Steve, and he'd, he'd grab my arm like this, and he'd say, and he'd start hitting me with my own hand. He'd say, quit hitting yourself. And then, stop it, Tom, you know. <laughs> Leave me alone. But the weird thing is, is that Satan's laughing because we do things that destroy us. We know what's good and right, and we start grabbing for things that just, And it ends up destroying us. We're drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And we think it's good. And it's like, it's destroying you. Don't you get it? And Satan's laughing. Look at that. Once again. It comes back to that same thing in the garden, right? God gave them everything to enjoy except one thing. He said, don't. Don't eat from this one tree. Every single day, those voices are wanting to destroy you. You know they're coming from the evil one, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. It's the selfish thing. Me, 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 me. That's when you know. It's, that's not God's voice when it's all about you. Me, I want, I want, I, I, I. It's, I I'm wonderful. I'm amazing. I want this. I want that. That's not God's voice. So, just so you know. There you go. It's as simple as that. How do you discern God's voice? Is there's The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, and you're his target. And you can willingly go along with that, or you can break through through what Jesus has done for you. He's given you the victory. He's given you the power. Satan throws up a smokescreen. But... You and I have participated since we were kids. We were born with that desire to sin. We just, that's our natural. But now, Jesus said, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So you must believe in Jesus. He said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here. Do you see it? If you're born again, You see life through different window. God's kingdom window, different lenses. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, pray in this way, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' first words in Matthew when he was on the beach there, he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. He's given us the power to repent by believing in him. So as Glenn and I asked this man that pulled over that wanted to believe in God, we kept asking about who Jesus is. Who is he? What has he done? He couldn't say it, and we we tried to help him. The son of God, son of man. The father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came and he did all these wonderful things that only God can do. He raised the dead. He healed the lame and the blind. That was prophesied that he would do. And he died on the cross for your sins to be forgiven. He shed his blood on the cross so that you could have a new life, that your sins could be forgiven so that you could be in right relationship with the Almighty God and Father and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And then he gave you the power to live in this new life. So... We've been given the Spirit to believe in him. We've been regenerated because he's helped us to believe this to be true. And then we need his Spirit to do the works that he's given us to do. So Paul says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Ask. And Luke says, ask for the Holy Spirit. The power. The disciples waited. He said, wait here until you receive the power from on high. Right? Wait here until you receive the power to do the work, to be my witness. So you and I, what do we do? We know what's right and what's wrong. And we need his power to make that choice to do what's right. We need it. That's the new life in Christ. That's the power he's given you and me is to make that decision to follow him and say, Lord, I need your help. And he helps us every single time. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand.